Through the summer, we've been going through a series of sermons on uh, the seven signs, uh, miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospel of John. And uh, we have looked at Jesus in a variety of settings in the miracles. Uh, first was at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, and he turned the water into wine and restored joy to a relationship that was there that didn't cause them embarrassment at the reception. Then we uh, saw where he healed the official son, and in that process challenged and saw the faith uh, being developed uh, in, that, in that official. And then we saw him come to the pool at Bethesda, and a paralyzed man who'd been there for 38 years, Jesus uh, asked him a question, do you want to be made well? And we kind of thought, well, maybe that's a, a ridiculous question to ask. But when we probed a little bit deeper, uh, you know, it's a challenge to say, well, do you really want to change? Do you want to see some changes in your life of a spiritual nature? And then uh, in the fourth miracle, we saw Jesus take a meager lunch that a little boy offered uh, of two fish and five loaves of bread. And he blessed it and multiplied the bread and he fed 5,000 men uh, plus women and children, maybe up to 20,000 people or so. Uh, and had leftovers. And then last week we looked at him as he walked on the water. He came during a turbulent time to the disciples walking on the water. They took him into the boat uh, and they uh, had a faith that would overcome their fear. And Jesus showed that he was uh, the God who put everything into order and place, but yet he had power over the laws of nature. Now today we see the sixth sign and we find that in the Gospel of John. In the ninth chapter, if you'll turn there with me, we'll read the first 11 verses, even though uh, this story really is contained in all uh, 41 verses of this chapter. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then... I could see. Well, a wonderful story about healing, where Jesus gave sight to a man who had never had it. And we look at some of the healing miracles of Jesus in the New Testament, and I think they basically fall in the category of four. He made the lame to walk, uh, he made the mute to speak, he made the deaf to hear, and the blind to see. In this particular miracle, healing the man uh, who was born blind, I think it was probably maybe a greater sense of complexity behind it, even though it wasn't uh, that much of a challenge for Jesus. But one of the things about it is the complexity of the human eye. And we all know how valuable our sight is. Uh, and we ought to be familiar with this vision uh, test with the chart. Everybody has probably had the eyes examined at some time or another, and you know the significance of good eye health. Uh, you need to go regularly for checkups. In fact, this week, 
uh, I have a checkup with my ophthalmologist. So uh, I'm trying to keep my eyes as healthy as I can. I read this week that in the United States, someone goes blind every 20 minutes. That's a startling fact here in America, isn't it? And then I got to thinking, I wonder what the rate would be, and I started to say, well, I had it written, third world countries, and then when I did some other research and stuff, I found out that they're no longer called that, or underdeveloped nations, they're called developing countries. I guess that's the politically correct term for that. But blindness comes upon us for various reasons, from various degenerative diseases. Uh, all my life that I lived with my grandmother from the time I was about four, my mother and I did live with her, she was blind from cataracts. Uh, her health wouldn't allow the, the, any surgery, and it wasn't the type of surgery that we have today for it. And so all my life, I just knew my man was blind. And it was amazing to me to see how she knew the house and was able to get around in the house without any difficulty. Well, in the story that we find here today, um, our story tells Jesus gives sight to a blind man who had been blind from birth. Uh, I think we got a couple of uh, artist renditions of what that scene might look like. Now, here's the significance of this miracle. Uh, this healing miracle wasn't as simple as correcting an astigmatism uh, or a corneal scar or removing a cataract. But there wasn't uh, any synaptic pathway there to take the stimulus from the eye to the brain. And Jesus had to do all of that in this miracle. And then this miracle is an interesting account because... Uh, in the, it's an account in the life of Jesus, one of the events in his life, one of the seven signs. It's significant, of course, for the blind man because he was made to be able to see. It was significant for the parents. They saw their son had light, sight for the first time in his life. And then for the old Pharisees. Now, here's what I find so interesting is that in the chapter 8, immediately preceding this, Jesus is, is in a discourse with some of these Pharisees. They always requested him, always ridiculing him, always trying to find some mistake in him. And Jesus made a bold statement in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, then it's interesting, it wasn't very long after that, when we enter into chapter 9, we see that Jesus has an opportunity uh, to reveal that he is the light of the world. Uh, as they walk, as it as long as it is day, he said in 4 through 5, chapter 9, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, look at, the, at, at that blind man for a while. What do we know about him? Well, we don't know his name. Uh, we don't know his parents' name. Uh, but he was apparently somebody who was well known in that area because he'd been blind all of his life. He was described by some uh, as a beggar because the only way he had to make a living was for people to give donations to him, and, and he asked for those each day. Um, he didn't approach Jesus and ask him anything. We got other accounts later on of blind men asking Jesus to do something for them. But he was blind from birth. Um, and, and when this miracle takes place, there are two things that really happened to him throughout this chapter. One is he was healed physically. He who had never been able to see, born blind, was able to see. And then he goes through an incredible a gauntlet of challenges thrown at him by the Pharisees, all trying to discredit Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, he acknowledges that Christ is Lord, and he is saved spiritually as well as being healed physically. Now, see, there, then there are two forms of blindness in this story, physical and spiritual. Obviously, physical blindness is when we cannot see physically. 
Spiritual blindness is when our vision is distorted because of something preconceived in our notion. Maybe something in our background builds up a prejudice against somebody. Our prejudices help cause us to be blind to, to the gifts, talents, and abilities of people who aren't like us. A judgmental spirit uh, can blind us to where we're blind spiritually. You know, there's a trite saying that says, there are none so blind as those who will not see. In fact, Helen Keller was asked once, isn't it terrible, to, the most awful thing to lose your sight? And she said, the worst thing that can befall a person is not to lose your sight, but to lose your vision. So there's both physical and spiritual blindness. In the story we're looking at today, we see Jesus healing a man's physical blindness. And in that process, we discover the spiritual blindness of some of those who were looking on. That would be the Pharisees. And I think the point is fairly clear. A a dramatic, personal, eye-opening experience with the Lord Jesus Christ will give anyone new insight, new perception, and new vision. That's the reality of this miracle. This healing is recorded in first, basically the first seven verses, but then it goes all the way through uh, the end of the chapter with what happened with the Pharisees particularly. Now you notice when we enter into this, immediately the disciples notice the man who was blind, and they ask him a theological question. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Now think about that for a moment when they ask that question. You could see that it could be possibly applied to the parents. But if he was born blind, how could he have sinned? to have been born blind. But, you know, and then you look at Jesus and Jesus said, no, neither one of those is true. But for the glory of God be revealed. And I find it interesting that in this situation, the disciples saw a possibility or a potential or situation where they could ask questions. And Jesus saw a situation that needed his power to be at work. And then we see the miracle that takes place. Uh, the central character is not the blind man, but Jesus The blind man is the beneficiary of Jesus. And it's interesting that Jesus spit on the ground, made mud out of that, and then applied that to the man's eyes. And then said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now you got to ask the question, why mud? Why why did Jesus spit in the mud, the ground, and make mud and put it in the eyes? Well, back in that day, saliva was thought to have some kind of healing um, process or healing qualities in them. And one of the things that they based it upon, you remember Lazarus and the sores, and they said the dog moreover came and, and licked the, the sores. A lot of people believe in the fact that you let a dog lick a wound and it, and it heals quicker. I don't know whether everybody agrees with that or not, but, you know, I've, I've grown up in the, down in the sticks and all that where I saw people who, who, uh, who believed in that. Now, the other th- interesting thing is in what Jesus did is that in the King James Version, the New King James Version. It doesn't just say that Jesus put the mud on the man's eyes, but it uses the word for anointed. And we know that that same word applies to Christ, that he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. And so what we really see happening when Jesus puts that mixture of saliva and ground, which is mud on the guy's eyes, that he really is anointing his eyes. He's really Christing his eyes. He Christed the eyes of this blind man. And the question for us has got to be today, have your eyes been Christ by Jesus? 
Now, we would think that after this man's sight was given to him, when he was obedient and played his part and went to the pool and washed, that everybody would be happy about it. But that wasn't the case, was it? The Pharisees, once again, jumped into this. They were the watchdogs of religion. And they immediately began to question him. How did this happen to you? This this man named Jesus put mud in my eyes and I was able to see. And they keep on pressing the point. They ask his parents about it. And I thought that was interesting that they say he's old enough, ask him. He can answer his own question. So they come back and they ask him again. And then I love his answer in verse 25. He says, this one thing I know, I once was blind, but now I see. Boy, uh, you know, I think what he's saying is beyond the fact this is a great miracle and that Jesus did this, he said, you know, I don't know a whole lot about talking to the Pharisees about your religion and your rituals and your rules and your regulations. All I know is that Jesus put mud in my eyes and I can see. I can see. Once I was blind and now I can see. Wouldn't it have been amazing to have been there and watched that man when he he washed the mud out of his eyes and was able to see for the first time to see what his reaction was like? Well, we don't have a video on him, obviously, but we got a video of two young girls, sisters, who were born uh, in one of these developing countries who were born blind. And we're going to watch the fact they had a very simple but miraculous surgery performed. And watch what happens when the bandages are taken off their eyes. Amazing. You see how the, the first one flinched when, when the daylight hit, you know, and then the second one is just all beaming and smiling. Well, uh, I, I read about this. I mean, I'd, I'd been praying, asking God, you know, I'd love to have seen what, what happened to this blind man when his sight came to him. And about five or six Twitters later, there was this video that said, watch this video of these two young sisters and their sight restored. And I said, God, you provide. You're a good God. Actually, this is a video that comes from a... Um, um, a charity organization called 202020, and they work in these undeveloped or developing nations. And this is a tragic thing to learn, that there's so many people in those nations who cannot afford this $300, $300 procedure. Now, not all blindness can be cured with this surgery, but for some reason in, in these developing countries, oftentimes people are born with something wrong with a lens, and all it takes is about a 15-minute process to take out the old lens, put in the new one, and then they bandage their eyes. Later that day, they take the bandage off, and just like you saw with these two girls, they're able to see. $300. But most people there earn like a dollar a day. They can't afford a $300 operation, so most of them live their entire life blind. Well, this man that we look at in our story had lived, however old he was, his entire life blind. And these Pharisees just would not let go of the fact that Jesus had healed them. They just, they just had to say it had to be something else or you weren't blind or whatever. And then the, one of the final exchanges between them in verses 26 through 27, they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And I guess this guy's getting a little bit upset with them. And I love his answer. 
He said, I told you already, and you did not listen. You know, do, why do you want to hear it again? And catch this line. Do you want to become his disciples too? Now, think about that. The Pharisees following after Christ? Absolutely not. So they did the next best thing they could do. They kicked him out of the synagogue. And when Jesus heard about it, that's when Jesus comes and finds the man. And there's that beautiful interaction. Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And this man said, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. His entire life was anointed by Christ, not just his eyes. But he had a life-changing experience with a new perception on life. Now, there's so much in this story. There's blindness and sight. There's healing and sickness. There's prejudice and love. There's fear and faith. There's rejection and acceptance. There's defeat. And then there's victory. But one question stands out above all, and that is, have you allowed Christ to anoint your eyes so that your spiritual sight is 20-20? The reality is God wants to perform LASIK surgery of a spiritual nature on our eyes today. And here's why. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 22 through 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, when Christ comes and gives us that that 2020 spiritual vision, what takes place? Let me quickly mention three things. Number one, that changes the way that we see ourselves. It changes the way that we see ourselves. The man who had been born blind and was healed said to them, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. How do you see yourself? When Jesus looked at this blind man, the disciples wanted to ask a question, have a theological discussion. Jesus saw somebody who needed to be helped and healed. Jesus saw this blind man worth his time and his power. When our eyes have been touched by the Son of God, we ought to see ourselves differently. We ought to see the fact that we are worthy of God's love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. So how's your vision today? Say, are are you blind to your sins? Are you blind to your need for Jesus? Are you blind to all that God wants you to be? I love the line out of Amazing Grace, written by John Newton, a former slave trader who was converted dramatically by Christ. And he wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. Is that your testimony today? I once was blind, but now I see. When Christ anoints your eyes, you see yourself differently. Then here's the second reality. When we have our eyes spiritually open, it changes the way we see other people. Now, the Pharisees are a prime example of the fact that their eyes were not open spiritually. They had what we might call blind spots. 
If you're a driver, you know what blind spots are. Even though you've got a rearview mirror and you've got two side mirrors, uh, they're blind spots, right? On the back left and on the back right. And you have to be very careful in changing lanes because there's a blind spot where you cannot see a car if it's there or somebody who might be crossing the street behind you or whatever. Well, these Pharisees had blind spots. That is, it was in their perception that gave them their blind spots. They were blinded by the perception of the law, the ritual of the law. And because of that, they couldn't see what God was doing, and they couldn't see or didn't want to see what they were doing. Now, the reality is in life, you and I also have blind spots at times, don't we? Those blind spots pop up when we're very quick to judge people who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who don't dress like the way that we dress. We find fault with other people when we don't see in in them what we live in our life. In fact, I think many of us as followers of Christ would define sin as the acts that we do not commit. And the Pharisees lived by the rigid standard of the law. And they were quick to judge people. And that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, that Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he goes on to say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you've got a beam in your own eye? He says, first take that out before you try to take out the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. So when we allow Christ to open our eyes spiritually, we see people differently. We learn to see with our hearts rather than with eyes that see the differences between us. That was Jesus that the Pharisees saw on a pretty regular basis doing his ministry for three, three and a half years, and they never saw the obvious. They never believed all the signs that were shown through his miraculous ministry that this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior for whom we have waited. I find it so interesting in the ministry of Jesus that that he did not condemn Bad people, you know, sinners. But he loved them because he said he'd come not to claim the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. But Jesus just did not like people who were stiff and rigid in the rules and the law and were not forgiving and were judgmental of other people. Here the Pharisees went at it all the time. And Jesus always won because he always put them down. But I think they just didn't have their eyes open enough that they didn't realize They lost every round that they had with Jesus. Now, here's the third thing that we need to understand. When our eyes are spiritually open, then it changes the way we see God. See, I don't know what your perception of God might be as you come today into this place of worship. You know, when we talk about him being a kind, loving, gracious, giving, and forgiving heavenly father, you might sit there and say, I had a horrible father. You know, I, I didn't know my father. I don't know what it's like to have a loving father, to have a dependable father, to have one around. And so if people say that God is like a father, then you have negative connotations about God. You know, or maybe there have been incidences that have happened in your family, that they're tragedies, which every family has had. 
And that taints your image of God. You say, well, how can he be good when he allows this to happen? When he allowed this person to be born blind and this deformity or, or someone young to die in a tragic way or with a disease that just saps life out of their body. And you might think that God is a very capricious God. That he kind of does what he wants to when he wants to when you talk about his sovereignty. And God does act independently and sovereignly. He doesn't have to have anybody's permission to do what he wants to do. But the reality is God is good and he's a loving God and he is the perfect heavenly father. He wants to bless his children. He loves to give good gifts to us. And when we see that in God, then we understand how he sees us. That he would dare to offer us in our sin the mercy, the grace, and the forgiveness that we all need. So when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I think he's really indicating two things can happen. One, people who love the darkness are going to scurry to find cover because they prefer the darkness rather than coming to the light. But other people who are looking for the light will choose to come to the light. That's the story of the blind man who was healed. He encountered the Son of God and his sight was restored. His his vision was given to him. And notice the progression of his vision. In verse 11, he says that Jesus was a man. In verse 17, he describes him as a prophet. And in verse 38, when Jesus encounters him and asks him if he believes, he calls him Lord. You see, the closer he got to Jesus, the more time he spent with Jesus, the clearer he saw God. See, there's just so many times in our life, because we don't have our spiritual sight, 2020, that we don't understand God. We don't see God clearly. And God wants us to see him as sovereign and holy and powerful and loving and a forgiving father. And so we're going to wrap this up today with a beautiful story, the sixth miracle, the sixth sign that Jesus displays that reveals his power as the Messiah. And you've got to ask yourself about your sight spiritually. Are you blind to your sins and your need for Christ as your Savior? Are you blind to the truth about Jesus? Are you blind to the fact that you are not walking the Christian faith and life the way that you're supposed to? then you need to have Christ come and anoint your eyes. To see or not to see, that's the issue. To see is the way God wants you to see, is to let Christ anoint your eyes. And so I urge you today, if you're not seeing spiritually, if you don't have a clear understanding of who you are and how you see other people, and especially a clear image of God, then let Christ come and anoint your eyes today. Let him remove that spiritual blindness and give you 20-20 sight. Father, we thank you for the revelation you give to us in your word about Jesus the Christ and how he continues to reveal to us that he is indeed the Messiah. He is the anointed one, that he is God in the flesh. Father, today as we learn from this story of the man born blind that sight was given to him, uh, help us to, to make sure that we see spiritually the way you want us to see and that we open our lives to the truth of Christ and we let you come and anoint our eyes so that we see spiritually. And Father, we pray that uh, we will be willing to do that as we seek that wholeness and that spiritual dimension to our life. And I pray for that and claim it 
In the name of Christ, our Savior, who is our Messiah. Amen.